Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media, and today we're going to be discussing Hellraiser and Candyman. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. So, what is it about Hellraiser? What is it about? What is this movie about? What's some, what are some facts we got about this movie? It was, uh, it was Clive Barker's first directed film. Yeah, he directed it and he wrote it. Uh, it was 1987, and it established Pinhead as a monumental person in horror. Uh, the movie begins with a box. Well, so a before, before we get into those, I was just going li- to list off a few things. Oh, so, yeah, of course. So the budget was $1 million, and the box office was $14.6 million. Damn. So it was Fucking very, very crazy. successful. So they got paid. They yes. got that cash money. Yep. On they got like fourteen deck. times their budget, so the, yeah. it's like commercial success. Like they were like, yep. "Yes, we made our money back." Yep. Which is probably why they went like they made they let them do the sequels, do the, uh, fucking I don't know, ten of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a huge film universe for Hellraiser, which I think is why it became so popular. But we're gonna just be talking about the first film because we didn't watch all the rest of it. So yeah, that's all a lot the of knowledge fun. is off of this, and then some extras, but. The overarching idea was that these Cenobites, which you see in the film, there's four of them, right? Yeah. Correct. Do do we know the names? Uh, there's Chatterer. Is that the one with the teeth? Yes, he's called Chatterer. The skin Xenomorph. The skin. There's a Pinhead, who's the the iconic role. Yes. The the skin. Oh yeah, the yeah the skin Xenomorph is Chatterer. You're right. Yeah. Um, and you've got Deep Throat, <laughs> who has like the yonic neck thing going on. Yep. And then you've got uh, Butterball, <laughs> the big fat one that licks his Butterball lips Butterball looks like a character out of Matrix. Yeah. Because really of his glasses. Be. He's got like those circular black he's glasses. He's like the typical Matrix fan that went to the con. Yes. And didn't make his suit right. Very <laughs> accurate. He kind of looks like a fish to me for some yeah. reason. <laughs> Patrick <Yeah>. Star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Just a fucked up fetish version <laughs> of Patrick Star. SpongeBob, I don't know what happened. I went to the box. That's fucking amazing. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> you took my only flesh. Now I'm going to starve. Uh, he has, like, his eyes sewn shut, right? Like, yeah. When he yeah. But he wears glasses. glasses. Yeah, like, yeah that's like, like, why he wears like things. What about his mouth? It's like, he Just keeps doing that, like, licking his mm-hmm. lips thingy. He licks at everyone, It's yeah. creepy. It's creepy. They're, oh they're totally, like, inspired by industrial warehouse kids with BDSM and shit. Oh, totally. With, like, the boots and everything. And well, the like, trench coats. Hellraiser's, like, nipples are, like, torn off and, yeah. like, folded over the leather on his outfit. So it's, like, it's, like, really fucked up. Yep. So anyway, these Cenobites show up and their thing is to just torture people. And that's like sadomasochistic kind of idea of what they do. And if you unlock this puzzle box, which is what the main character, not even the main character, but like one of the main characters, he does that at the beginning of the film. And that's sort of how it gets introduced. uh, He buys the, I don't know, just box. Yeah, I mean, they don't really say anything besides the box or a puzzle box, which is funny later on. She's like, it's just a puzzle box. (laughs) And they're like fucking attacking her. But he buys it and then goes back to this like abandoned house and goes up to the like, I don't know, separate room. It's not the attic. He's covered. uh, He's surrounded by candles and does a very ritualistic box. It's like satanic, I guess. Sort of. I don't know. It's like he's like definitely trying to open a portal somewhere else. And it's like interdimensional travel, which apparently you find out later 
because mm-hmm. they're like moving between some plane they exist on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, he's erotically rubbing his thumb over the boxes. He content. is. This movie's very uh, like sexually driven. There's a lot of uh, things to do with fetishes and possibly BDSM and sadomasochism and things like that. So. If you enjoy that, you maybe maybe you'll enjoy this film a little more than usual. I mean, when he first opens the box, uh, a bunch of hooks come out and sink into his flesh, yep. and that's basically the last we see of him, other than like uh, Deep Throat putting his face back together um, later oh, yeah, on in that her, scene. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's Deep Throat. She puts her she puts his face back together. Uh, they also have like the spinning blocks. That's one of my favorite uh, effects in the movie: the spinning block with just a bunch of hooks on it and. Uh, pieces of flesh and eyes yeah and ears it's like they're trophies or something like this yeah. is all the people they've tortured just bits and pieces of them or they're just pieces of him that's true it could be pieces of just him because he's been tortured who knows how long while he's there that's the thing i think like geography has not geography but like uh is it geology when no no what the study of shapes i'm trying to remember when you're just like really into shapes I just really like that it's a three-dimensional just figure of geometry. Geometry. Geometrist. Is that a thing? Is geometrist. Some sacred geometry. geometry. (laughs) I like the sacred geometry of like the box itself as well as relating to the uh, rectangle fucking pillars that spin with hooks. I really like that. And oh, I didn't even think about that. It's very prevalent within satanic rituals as well. Wait, Ooh, it is? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. The shapes shapes and all kinds of things. The thing is... Oh, just because of like the glyphs and things like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And the thing is, I think this movie has a lot to do with religion. It just doesn't really like to show it in the light. It likes to like yeah. subtly show you some stuff about religion. I didn't really connect too much of it. Maybe I was just ignoring it, or I just didn't really see the connection. Well, but well, there is stuff yeah. in there. Like there's a bunch of uh, Catholic priests like uh, praying in oh, this wait, movie all over the house. And doesn't Frank say he's like brother whatever? He's like, yeah, I'm brother something. Like when he shows up to her front door. So the so there's the there's a leading lady. I, I can't remember her name. The the mom. Uh, Carol was Yeah, name, so right? basically we find out very early on that she's having an affair with her husband's brother, who she is had, Frank. She had an affair. Had an affair Sorry, because he, because, she had an affair. Because they're going to buy a house he lived in, but he disappeared. Yeah. And this house is fucked up, man. Yeah. It's, it's old, ugh. moldy. They like the, the room that they get murdered in is all like window. The windows are like there's paper on it so you can barely see through. There's nothing in the room. Uh, besides, like, uh, like one brick wall on the side. There's maggots and cockroaches in the kitchen. And you can hear them withering and just fucking... Ugh. It's kind of nasty. Yeah, and Larry, the uh, the husband, is just oodly, just stoked to fucking buy this house. Yeah, that to me is like... That's some horror movie stuff. When people are really excited to buy, like, a decrepit house. And they're like, eh, it's fine. There's no big deal. And they you, don't do anything to, like, fix it. You put some fucking paint on this, boy. He's going he's gonna to be in here for generations. <laughs> so they're moving in. And he's, like, trying to get this mattress up the stairs with these other dudes who are just fucking assholes. They're, like, the worst. They're hitting on, like, his wife and, like, his daughter who comes in. And as they're, like, taking it up, the husband is, like, grunting, and she is, like, having some flashbacks to her sexual encounter with his brother. And it keeps <laughs> cutting back and forth between the two. So, like, it immediately starts off with, like, this aggressive sex scene where Frank is like, oh, would you, like, do anything for me? And she's like, yes, I'd do anything for you, which sets up, like, weird things that happen later in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they also cut to uh, Christy, the daughter of of Larry, coming over to the house, and she's refused to live with them. Yeah, because she's coming back from a moving back to England after being overseas. Well, she's like a rich kid who doesn't want to like live with her parents or like be yeah. provided for. She's like, no, no, I got it. Like, I'll get my own job. I'll live on my own. Yeah, exactly. She's she suffers from what I call being smart in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she. I mean, it exp- it sort of like gives more validity to the fact that she's like basically a final girl in the movie yeah because exactly. she survives the whole ordeal she's the one who figures out the puzzle box so like it fits well for her character she's also fucking gorgeous she yeah. is yeah so like she doesn't fit the standard of like what you saw in most horror films which was like a very bimbo character who was blonde probably had like a specific body type which was like really big boobs for the time and then like she wasn't dressed a certain way so they definitely made her the non-typical but still a very gorgeous attractive person so it's like that is like your main character so that i think they were trying to get at the idea of her being like really virgin like which is what they do for the final girl characters ashley lawrence is the name of the actor. ashley lawrence was she like most well known for this film or like was yeah, she, in anything she was else? in the first seven of these movies <laughs> oh, okay all right yeah this, this is what she's known for i looked yeah. on her twitter Got the it. other day and says uh well known from hellraiser oh gotcha yes pretty much this is in what her she bio does. she's uh, she's similar then to i'm sorry who's the main character in Candyman? the guy what's his uh, what's his name uh, uh tony, todd. tony todd yeah he's go. like he's probably most well known for Candyman. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, and the the funniest thing is um, the actors. I I cannot remember the actor who plays Pinhead. Um, the actor that plays Pinhead and the guy, yeah, and Tony Todd also got a lot of fan mail from women who were just enamored with both. They of probably them. got some fan mail for some dudes too. Oh, I would not be surprised. Yeah, they're really probably like they were just getting all sorts of like sexy fan mail. Like, like please yeah, hang out with me. Yeah, please come hang out with me. Talk <laughs> to me in your voice. I think it has a lot to do with their voice. Yeah. Because they deep, have very deep, deep voices that are powerful and boisterous. Yeah. And they really like, whew. That's it. That's all I got to say I, about I, that. I felt <laughs> it. I know why. Yeah, you know why. I know. Yeah, we all know more. why now. We know why. I'll talk more about Tony Todd. He's a yeah. beautiful man. Yo, yeah. he had like that super deep, and then his voice was like that omnipresent voice that was like all yeah. over. It was like enhanced too, so mm-hmm. it wasn't just like a regular voice that you were hearing. It was almost like when you're like imagining what someone's voice might sound like, and you have like a memory of it. That's what it sounded like to me. Mm-hmm. Where you're like recalling something, or like you're hearing a uh, fucking saying from like a deity or higher being. Yep, right, exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He definitely did. They both did a very good job of playing the roles that they did. Um, so as they're bringing, uh, as Larry is bringing up this mattress yeah. with these two fucking dickheads <laughs> <laughs> who ask for beer yeah. while they're on the job. You got, yeah. you got beer. <laughs> like, oh i'm pretty sure it's in the fridge and then his wife stares at him and he's like oh i guess i'll go get it that was a great scene because she's like i'm not getting you fucking beer and goes upstairs and he's like all right well i'm gonna go get the beer <laughs> <laughs> he, they, she just hands him like regular old budweiser and knowing those dickheads like budweiser fucking sucks great product placement <laughs> <laughs> for budweiser <laughs> fucking hate that beer trash sorry if you drink budweiser i just don't know like it's it. trash it's fine okay. <laughs> But anyways, he there's a nail hanging off one of the walls, and Larry scrapes his hand super hard on the uh, thing and starts bleeding profusely. His wife checks it out. He's 
she's uh, like annoyed because yeah. he's like about to faint. He's like, I don't like the sight of blood. Oh, it's like I'm gonna faint like right now. And she's like, You're fine. Like we're gonna go to the hospital. But a lot of blood drops onto the floorboards and sinks in, and this is what brings Frank back to life. It looks like it's just a heart at first, like mm-hmm. beating underneath the floorboards. Well, yeah, you, that's what you hear initially. Oh, that's right. They keep playing it while it goes back into that room. You'll hear the heartbeat. And so it's supposed to be like his transition into like coming back into I don't know this dimension. His resurrection. Yeah, there yep. you go, Jesus. They, yeah, analogy. they have a bunch of like <laughs> Jesus references and whatnot in it, and he re- resurrects inside the room because of the blood and um, the effects for the blood soaking into the ground were really well done, and we didn't even we were had a trouble even figuring out how. I can only like the only thing I could think of is they made the surface like smooth. So that it would just go into like one of the little crevices. Maybe they had something underneath, like sucking in, yeah, whatever was landing on it or something. We could probably look it up, but my initial theory is it's like a chemical compound that could like yeah evaporate really quick, like acetone or uh, lacquered thinner, mixed with like food coloring and other shit to make it look like blood. But this is like the start of probably what was like the best. Uh, like practical effects that they had for the film, which was like his his body like rebuilding itself from like goop, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in blood and bone and like the brain coming together. That was pretty crazy. If you watch anything from this film, go watch this part. Yeah. It's reminiscent of the thing. Yeah, uh, from nineteen eighty three <laughs> by John Carpenter with all the goop and all the gore and just you see nerves being remade into a brain yeah. and then that brain yeah, into the exactly. skeleton and it's very chilling. But it was, like, really well done. I think that's the most impressive thing about the whole film itself. Just because I felt like the story was really small and contained. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, like, a whole lot of extras. Their whole cast was probably, like, ten people. Maybe even less. Because all they had, they just had that dinner party. And that was kind of, like, the most characters you see. Other than that, it's just the husband, the wife, Frank, who's, like, the creepiest fucking dude. (laughs) <laughs> who like um, to daddy yeah he like oh god he says it twice he says yeah. it to the mom and the daughter i also forgot about this but he is super very persistent sorry yes. with his fucking uh switchblade knife yeah he keeps coming at people and they do like a close-up shot of the knife every time <laughs> like just him holding it like opening it and then walking towards them very slowly you know what i just thought of it right now it could have just been like a phallic symbol I was just, just now thinking that, yeah. Yeah, definitely fits in with that, where it's just like, yep, that's like his penis, and he's trying to like force it onto people, because that's usually the analogy that they use for those. So he gets to be zombie Frank. Yeah, and which is yeah. really, I liked it. Oh. It was impressive for how they did the, the makeup on his face, where it's like just sort of bone and like a little bit of flesh at first, and with each like killing, he gets a little more. Yeah. You you see more flesh being added every kill. They just don't show how he does it. Like right. they they sort of just allude to the fact that he's like absorbing whatever they've got, and then it leaves like a withered body afterwards <laughs> that she like stuffs in a closet. Yeah, the wife, uh, she comes in and he's like, "It's me, it's Frank." Yeah, come to daddy. <laughs> he says that <laughs> while he's all gooey, <laughs> and he, he's like, "I need more blood. I guess you're." husband's blood helped me out you know yeah he figures so it out pretty if, quick if if that's you know enough to do it imagine what a whole body could do yeah and so he then like convinces her to go and start murdering these guys and bring or bringing them back like luring them with sex and then killing them in this top room so that he can consume them her weapon of choice is a, a hammer pretty meaty hammer yeah but 
Let's see. So she makes for a messy ass kill. She gets yeah. like blood yeah. all over herself the first time. She goes to an airport acting like a single woman. Uh, you're drinking alone. Yeah, yes. In well, a fucking I'm, airport. I'm drinking alone too. That sounds so inconvenient, like getting out of the airport. Perhaps we could drink together. <laughs> I agree though. Being single at an airport and like going through all that hassle just so you could find another single man. But I mean, it, it worked. It worked. And these dudes were kind of assholes. So you really didn't care that they were getting murdered. <laughs> you want to talk about the dipshit that got fucking, <laughs> that was trying to be rapey? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were like all sort of rapey. But the, the, the first dude she brings back, she like obviously feels uncomfortable because she doesn't like him. And she's just luring him to get killed. And he tries to make out with her and she stops. And and then he's like, you didn't change your mind, did you? Like, it's really mad. And then she was like, no, like, let's go upstairs. And then he's like, oh, okay, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and he like keeps saying it, like he realizes what he just did. And then he goes, <laughs> goes up there, and then he's like, what? You know, there's like no bed in here. And she was like, I've always preferred the floor. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's chill. You know, it's the first time for everything. <laughs> Takes off his pants. <laughs> here, you you take your coat off too. Okay, okay. That's great because he tries to leave to go pee. He's like, oh, wait, one sec. And, like, tries to leave, and then she just bashes his head in with a hammer. <laughs> and there's just fucking blood everywhere. He like, She, like, hits the back of his head, and then he turns around, and then she just smashes his face up. Like, there's, like, a shot of his, like, mouth getting just just wide wrecked. open. <laughs> you know, I just realized that Frank, as he's as dumb and as it looks, when he puts on the fancy clothes, it's from these men. Yes. Yes, he's wearing their clothes afterwards. He, like, strips them. After he sucks their life force out, he gets more flesh, and he gets more comfortable getting his, uh, what is it, his... All of his feeling and senses back. I I love that his feet squish when he walks across the car. Yeah, it's his gross, squishy sound. When he walks, they squish from all the from all the muscle and they all the must have had foley artists for this movie oh yeah oh hella yeah just most, to add in all those effects i mean to be i mean film knowledge most sound you hear in movies is yes. foley. majority yeah. of it is foley they can't get a lot of those noises naturally it's yep. why like if you watch enough of those movies the noises will sound familiar mm-hmm. like the door creaking open in Candyman, like when they go to the uh to look at the apartment where they were murdered, that sound is like every creaking door ever in any movie. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. I've heard that so many times. I was like, yeah, that's got to be some Foley artists. I know that sound clip. Right? Yeah, exactly. You start editing enough shit. You're like, yeah, that sounds about right. But so she gets that first kill. And this scene is, I think, kind of a standout because she does a really good job of, of face acting. And like really expressing how crazed she gets after murdering someone, all the anxiety because she doesn't know what to do with all the blood. Mm-hmm. And her husband just got home. He gets home like right after, like right after she kills someone. And she just like tiptoes with a corpse over to the other room to put it in a closet. I just I couldn't understand how she was able to do that. Like <laughs> she just picked up this dead, withered body, stuffed it in a closet, and then went to the bathroom to like clean herself off. And then she just looks so, like, disheveled whenever she shows up again because her makeup's <laughs> all fucked. And she, like, tried to wash herself, but she her hair's, like, still wet. And then she goes back in to talk to Frank, and he's just like, I want to touch you. And it's, like, all his gooey hand reaching out. <laughs> he, like, immediately goes for her boobs and is like, all right, let's see. I'm going to reach out. And it's, like, it leaves you. a mark oh. on her, like her dress so i don't know how oh, nobody he does that weird it. thing with the finger and her lips oh yeah. my god <laughs> so not only is he like pretty Gro- much forcing, yeah he's groping boobs he's forcing his like f- 
finger into her mouth and then she like grabs it and kind of rubs his finger along her lips but like it's a bony fleshy like gooey finger and you're just like oh <laughs> you can like, see wrong. it like stuck this on is her wrong yeah um it oh, was man. good though it made sense for like the kind of creepy character that he is like he's literally like a slime ball character. <laughs> yeah, he's super slimy, and there's like you know there's I mean she finds that that tin with all the uh, Polaroids of the two of them, so or, or of, of him and a bunch of other women. Those photos are hilarious to me because somebody took those photos. Like, yeah, it wasn't like he took them. <laughs> it's like it's a far away picture, so somebody's just standing there with a Polaroid taking yeah. pictures of them. There are no selfies in like '87. No, nope. you know, <laughs> I mean each both of the movies are like pre-internet. Like a lot of digital stuff. Most mm-hmm. of the stuff they use is analog, like all of the recording devices. Yep. I like that about a lot of the older 90s and 80s movies. It makes for good, like, detective stuff. Like, it's kind of a, a closed story every time they go and investigate things. Like, no one else is really in on it. It also requires people going to the library. So. Yep. Of course, you got to have the scene where you go to the library and you look at those uh, those mini, I don't know what they're called, like the slides of old newspapers. Mm-hmm. Where you, you can still go to libraries and find those. It's kind of nuts. They have the machines like hidden in a corner somewhere, and you just slide it in there, and then it shows you an enhanced image of it, and it's like a negative kind of. And oh, wow. you, you look at it on a big screen, and you like turn it. It's like a little knob you turn, and it'll switch between the slides. So that's what she was doing. She was looking at old um well in the Candyman is which when they do it she's mm-hmm. looking at old pictures of one of the murders yeah so it's like it's cool to see technology like that it also gives you a certain vibe like this is a, a like a noir kind of like a modern noir like from the 90s which is i guess now it's not that new because it's like 20 years ago but yeah exactly. <laughs> Jesus. you know wasn't the 90s like 10 years ago that did right i know <laughs> yeah well, it's 2019 <laughs> Fuck. get back into the simulation mitch um yeah, anyway <laughs> so uh so um from this point on so she's feeding all these men to frank growing frank a new body essentially yeah um later on uh the daughter christy spies her bringing one of the men home well she has a dream first though oh yes she has the dream about her father being brutally murdered wait no there was the there was a dinner the dinner yeah, the they dinner. have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. want to talk about that cigarette thing? <laughs> no. Okay. So yeah. So they're all sitting at the table, his daughter included, and then whatever dude she's dating. And he like he does this little trick where he's like smoking a cigarette and he like pulls the cigarette into his mouth, like like fully into his mouth, and then like pulls it out and laughs. And then <laughs> he's he like smoking. He's like hitting on his daughter like at the fucking dinner table. Yeah. He offers her a drink. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to drink because I'll be falling on the floors. Yeah. And he's just like, so just lay down then. It's like the cheesiest line. Yeah, really. But really. like, you just like hella hit on this guy's daughter. And they, he's even like, looks at him like, dude, <laughs> like, like, whoa, whoa, you can't be saying uh, shit what like that. What the hell that. is that, dude? Whoa. <laughs> Which is really ironic and funny because later on we find out that they're sleeping in different beds. Like yeah. they're not even really like yeah. sexually active with each other. No, so it's just like him like being really extra in that yeah. moment. So she has yeah. like a She's nightmare. Taking it slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just yeah, they're taking it slow. Exactly. That's I don't what think we get. I, I haven't seen like separate beds since. You know, like the 50s? the people smoking indoors in both of these movies right. is such a prevalent thing, and yes. it was so funny because we don't see that at all anymore. No, there was so a it's certain like, so like interesting. I think and it was the funny. late '90s when they stopped doing that because laws wouldn't let them do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm at dinner. Yeah, <laughs> fucking middle of the school, like in a classroom. Yeah, you just yeah. light up. <laughs> yeah, 
in the prison they even gave her a cigarette while she was in the oh, fucking yeah, that's cell. Right. Yeah, like, I was that like, what the fuck? Anymore. Yeah, what? They're not. They don't give a fuck about you when you're in prison. So it's like that was a surprise. But she is white, so you know. Maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that dinner scene, and then this is also like in between that. Uh, the mom is like, I don't feel so well, and like goes upstairs, and then she talks with Frank some more about like what's their plan, and so she's like, okay, I'm gonna like start getting some more dudes for you, and it's so like it's like a fucked up love story because she like yeah. wants him to be around, but it, like you could clearly tell he's just using her. Just cuts to the second guy. Yep. Just like immediately already hit. She's used to the shit by now. Yeah, she's getting confident in herself and like actually starts enjoying it. Like there's a scene where she kills someone and then goes to have a drink and then like it like zooms in on her face as she starts to smile, like really slight smile on her face because she like is enjoying what's happening. And then they kind of transition into when the daughter kind of comes back into the picture and and she encounters the uh, it shows her job. She has like this old dude, like he looks homeless and he walks in and just digs his hand into the crickets and just eats them. <laughs> and I swear he probably ate some crickets in this scene. Like this might be real, real, real cricket yeah, eating. We, we saw the old homeless man when uh, the, the boyfriend was walking them home so they could, you know, have that. Yeah. He's just together. like spying on them. Just kind of just following the girl every now and then. This reminds me of the craft with the crazy homeless man. And it the does. Snake. And just like you're just like who? Is, what does this guy represent? Yeah. What? What? What, what is what, this? I don't know. I what really don't know. What does he? I mean, mean, that guy does get run over in the craft, but it's yeah, still. Yeah. Like, I mean, but still, like, but he has like he's like a recurring thing. Like, yeah. He's a representation of something. You know what? This makes people. I feel like this makes people scared of like vagrant people. Well, they're just like <laughs> they. They're probably a demon. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like a '90s thing where yeah. they were just like it was like the fear of the homeless was they put it into a movie just because it, there was like a market for it. Like, oh my god. Well, I'm so I mean, like of this, this dirty, was beardy man. It was common. Like, it was common for a lot of places to have a lot of homeless people because of, like, different, like, housing structures going down or they didn't really have, like, the, like, what's it called? The infrastructure in the cities. Mm-hmm. So, like, kind of have places, especially, like, Chicago and Detroit and things like that. Yeah. Where they, like, they pretty much had the south side of, like, Chicago where you couldn't really live in a nice place. I mean, and, and in a way, uh, because Clive Barker also wrote the short story for Candyman, yeah, that was that Candyman's based off of, and it had to do with class struggle and whatnot. Yep, it's actually not too surprising that he would include um, a homeless type character. Oh, totally. In in this movie also because he's already kind of in that in that vein. So that's interesting to me, but I mean I don't really have much to go on to analyze it further. Yeah. So they start this. This movie can be very surface level kind of stuff. Yeah, it yeah. Really can it be. wasn't like uh, Hellraiser wasn't like super in depth on what people were feeling. It was kind of like a condensed story, and I think it was because it was like sort of originally like not that big, and he might have just expanded it enough to be a screenplay. We also yeah. have to remember this is his first project. Yeah, this is his first major first thing. like feature length film. Yeah, so the guy, you know. Had a lot riding on his shoulders. He, I think he did a good job of like making it real and feasible. Like you could finish something like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a fairly small budget in comparison to like how much money other people were getting for films at the time. And to make it like 14 times what he made, like that's really, really well done. And it's probably what like funded whatever other projects he wanted to work on for it or just handing it off to someone and then moving on to other things. <laughs> <laughs> But what happens after she's collected enough dudes? The daughter has a dream, right? Well, no, no. The girl has a dream, 
and uh, she fears for her dad's life. That's right. And then um, it begins the scene with Larry when he's trying to have sex with his wife. Well, yeah, so she's trying to prevent him from going upstairs because Frank is just, like, losing it in the room because he's getting, like, cabin fever and, like, starts hitting the walls and freaking out. And so he's like, what was that? And goes and starts checking it out. And she's like, no, like, don't go upstairs. And, like, feigns wanting to have sex with him. And so they, like, get into the room and they're sort of getting into it. But she's very uncomfortable. Like, she's not wanting to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And fucking Frank walks his way in there, goes into the closet, and then comes out with a rat in his hand and, like, cuts it up in front of her where only she can see. So, like, her husband's on top of her trying to have sex with her. And she's like, oh, God, no. Like, don't kill him. But he, yeah. like, he takes it as, like, a... Uh, no, like, I don't want to have sex, but it, it takes him a minute to realize, like, what's yeah. going on. I, I just, the thing is, in real time, you're going to hear that no. Yeah, like, it's, she says it, like, eight times, yeah. like eight or nine times, so it was kind of an so, awkward scene. I kind of think, in that sense, it was just either bad editing, because, like, the thing is, yeah. you, you would hear that. Yeah, yeah, or it could have just been done to, like, increase your anxiety about the situation, like. Yeah, or you, maybe it was just yeah. in her head. Oh, that too. Maybe. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. In her, in her head, it could also be like playing into the sadomasochism that we're talking about. Sort of like, you well, could, you could, are... that's maybe a stretch on my and in, in, in me, but also like, you know, think about who Frank is as a person. Yeah. Kind of, he's kind of like that, that, that Dom sort of character, even with like the come to daddy. Oh God. Sort of bullshit <laughs> and stuff like that. Like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that was an intentional thing. Well, it's true of like certain uh, sexual encounters that you might have. Your partner at the time might actually say no while you yeah, guys are having that's sex true. That's and true. instead you don't you have like that safe word to like stop yeah exactly instead of it being no yeah so, like that situation might happen where people <laughs> are like are saying no but they don't actually yeah. want you to stop yeah exactly so it's like there's such a like a gray area of like what might yeah, have happened what, yeah so i feel like i feel like it, we can also chuck it up just to bad editing bad writing yeah probably ideal it was just or, a weird or, or really just them trying to portray that she doesn't want him to be killed and that she can't bear it because she says i right. can't bear it if you do this she kind of does change her mind a little the, the biggest enough. the biggest burn in this fucking movie is when i can't have you kill him he can't be dead oh lady larry was dead many years ago it's just, damn, dude, you fucking hate your brother, don't yeah, you? Yeah, he fucking hated that guy. And Larry is such a sweet guy in this movie. He just wants to have a house that he could live in with his family. <laughs> yeah, he, he really has, is the he innocent ha- here. He's he has a very dude. simple, you know, premise. He's a simple guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cain and Abel. Oh, shit. I didn't even think I just, that. I just now thought Slays about it right his own now. brother. Literally, like, there's kind of that idea going on here if we wanted to work with, like, the Jesus-y thing and then well, the religious context. So we got think that. Think about the ending of the movie. We'll get to that, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, So he's trying to stab her. She says no. And then Larry says the, the thing, you know, sometimes you're – you're on it and sometimes you're not or what does he say he yeah says, you're into me you're not into me yeah. you're into me you're not into me i just what do don't you want? understand I don't, you yeah exactly i, I don't understand what you want and then he just leaves the room yeah and like leaves her there and then frank comes out again and then i think he just goes back yeah. into the closet he's like well you're gonna need to find me someone else then if we can't kill him yeah and so that's uh that's it that's doesn't really it, work out though yeah no, it doesn't that's shit, when the daughter comes into play yeah. yeah then she notices her bringing over the the lonely man 
Yeah. Also talk about that. That's, so this is like probably the most innocent victim that they bring mm-hmm. in. Because it's just some like dude who like even walking upstairs, he's really nervous. And he's just like, you know, sometimes I get lonely. And you're just <laughs> like, wow, this is really fucking sad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you, you know dude. what I realized? The, the more victims that she has, the more just like uneasy they are with sex like the first one was just trying to fucking get it on yeah the second one was like okay this is kind of weird third one is just like i'm very uncomfortable yeah gets to the uh, fucking room and he's like uh and like looking around because there's nothing in this room (laughs) i love sex on the floor (laughs) (laughs) that was ridiculous that guy almost gets away though the the last one yeah the last one he does almost get away because he like like, takes the hammer smacks him with the hammer and then he turns around and tries to open the door and this is the only victim that Frank gets involved with, too. Yeah, he, like, grabs like, him. Yeah, and then just starts, like, jams his fingers into his neck. That's so whatnot. weird. He, like, it, like, showed a cut of it, and it, it looks like he's just digging his fingers into clay or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just does that, like, a really close-up shot. So he probably just recorded him pushing his hands into something, and then they cut that in and worked it. And then the daughter walks in on this, right? Yeah, she's, like... <laughs> that's just when she has her encounter with frank and he's just like oh like it's me like it's your uncle frank and he's super creepy with her and then it immediately gets into like a really rapey kind of scene where he's just like oh like you've gotten beautiful and then he says like the come to daddy line come again to daddy. and you're like Ooh. <laughs> but she figures out really quickly that he cares about the puzzle box and just tosses that shit out the window yeah if you want it go and fucking get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then she runs out and grabs it, and sort of that's how she gets the puzzle box. So she starts playing with it as she's walking home to her boyfriend's yeah, house. Yeah, she kind of gets all, like, frazzled, and then uh, I'm pretty sure she faints while she's out there. Mm-hmm. And people, like, realize this and take her to, like, a hospital. And she kind of gets kept there. They don't, like... I don't know why they did that. I think that she's crazy. Or Possibly, that she's been, like, yeah. Talking in her sleep and stuff like that, so they keep her to make to watch her and they don't let well, her out. The thing that was weird about it was the doctor was like, "Here's the puzzle box. Maybe it'll jog your memory." And then like leaves it and locks her in. And I'm like, "Why would he do that? Like, what does he know about the box?" So it was just a weird inserting of like he might know something. Potential for espionage. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it could be like the Chinese guy who's selling. The box in the first place they like know about it yeah they know what it does yeah and so she she starts messing around with it and unlocks this like like a room or tunnel that opens up and this is where she encounters that huge weird like creature from another fucking dimension it should yeah. be noted that when she plays with the box yeah it, it uh it shows pink lights and pink balls of light yeah while, while there are the contrast to Frank, it is blue lightning. It's like, yeah, blue, like blue electricity lightning that and looks very I didn't like think, fanat- or frantic. I didn't really think about this, but it could be because of pure hearts. Oh, I see. Or intention. Well, they mentioned that. Like when Hel- when Pinhead and all the rest of the Cenobites show up in the hospital, he mentions that they're angels to some people and demons to others. So like they they can be like giving you that pain experience or the pleasure experience, which also ties into like their like fetishism and the possibly BDSM, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's more of just like torture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that gray area though. Yeah. They really they did push and They that. don't explain it. No, no. They just, they just kind of hint at it and it kind of makes you a little bit like, Oh shit. What are these guys about? Okay. Yeah. They exactly. were angels to Frank. 
in a way at first at first yeah he yeah. was really trying to get to that and then they ended up torturing him yep. after that and they show scenes of his torture at some point he's like dangling upside down yeah, with like dump bits being of torn off him, basically they had a lot of blood in this movie yeah like all over same with Candyman. there was all over like mm-hmm. all over the walls and shit um so after she's playing with the box she finds this she finds this creature after it chases around she closes the box and gets out of their world. Yeah, she manages to like run all the way back to the hallway and then oh, slide the guy, into the, the giant fucking puppet. hospital. Yeah, the giant the giant like suit puppet thing. Someone must have been like rolling it or like holding it on themselves and just like someone else is puppeteering like the yeah. top and the tail and stuff. Yeah, Cuz exactly. they they try to make it the illusion that it's walking on the walls. Yeah. But you could definitely see like the shadows of some legs on below <laughs> it was too perfect in the middle it didn't like move back and forth while it was yeah moving, so it's really it's yeah. really a, a silly a silly looking monster it made me laugh i was yeah. watching it and i was, I was like, like this oh is pretty funny God. it also seemed random because it wasn't anything like the cenobites yeah exactly. it was like their pet or something i don't yeah. know some some creature from their dimension yeah but this is when you see the Cenobites for the, the first time. Yeah, you get to see what they actually look like. Yeah. I mean, you see them a little bit in the in the beginning, but yeah. you don't – like, you see – you just see Deep Throat putting his face back together, <laughs> and that's kind of it. But then the rest of them all show up at the same time, so you've got Chatterer, like, clicking at her, which is always a scene that's made me kind of chilled, is, like, his teeth – That's – Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just doing that and coming up to her and deformed whatnot. Deformed Patrick Star. Yeah. Oh my god! And deformed Patrick Star. Yep, yep. This has one of the like funnier lines in the movie where he's like, "Oh, don't cry." He's like, "It's such a waste of good suffering." <laughs> good shit. But we we were talking about this earlier. It's like they seem like they can be reasoned with. Yeah, you can make deals with them. Yeah, because she's like she thinks really quickly and is just like, wait. I know where Frank is. Like, he's one of the dudes who escaped from you, and they, like, don't believe her. But they're like, all right, like, show us. Like, we'll go and, like, see. But we have to hear the confession, like, from his mouth, like, yeah. that he did this and, like, escaped and that, from us. that makes me think that they just watch over some people who are within the possession of the box because you don't ever see any, you know, eyes around anywhere. You don't see them looking into anything. Yeah, you know what? There's no shots in this film that they usually do in horror films where it looks like they're watching the main character. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Like from a window or from like a far away scene. They don't have any shots or like even that. from like in the box. Sometimes they have like a clip of yeah. the camera from the box. Yeah. Sort of like in like the center of the box, but it's not like a watching you sort of thing I've noticed. No. Uh, yeah, so they show up. She makes the deal with them, and then she heads back to the house because they agreed and they let her go. Yeah. I love how uh, the door ah. – the doctor's reaction to her being missing she was just here yeah now she's not well the door was completely locked so that's kind of impossible <laughs> and then the nurse is like well i'll go look for her and then just leave scene you yeah. never you don't see her <laughs> yeah. ever again they probably just like all right just say this line and leave yeah. <laughs> like goodbye that was, that was like her direction her blocking for the whole scene back, so they, back well, at the barn, ho- barn yeah. house they go back to the house and they go back <laughs> to the murder room yep and then that's when um, she's like, okay, I'll bring Frank here. Yeah. Sort of idea. And then she goes, I think this is where the, the I think this is like another come he to kind of, He kind of, uh, he gives like, Frank gives like a full confession basically. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. wait. We have to talk about doppelganger Larry. Doppelganger Larry. Yeah, yeah. before so, that happens. Oh, oh, wait. I thought she came home to, to her father. Yeah. Well, she came home to Frank in her dad's skin. Yes. He, yes. And you can tell it's like 
pulled onto him because the back of his head is like oh he's bloody bloodied all yeah. over and no one questions it yeah no one even says anything which is the most annoying shit because i was just like people would notice this <laughs> but whatever she so she's convinced that it's her dad until what moment he like says something to her where she's like wait what i think he says like i think he talks about he talks about like so frank is dead he's like oh yeah frank was dead long ago sort of idea I oh he shows her the body too yeah he shows her the body and says that's frank and then that's when she sort of figures it out where she's like wait no this isn't yeah this um isn't he like right. gets closer to her and does the come to daddy thing and then she scratches his face yeah pulls, and then leaves pulls like off the, like a chunks uh-huh. of skin yeah then you got Claire coming here trying to fucking kill this daughter. Yeah. And, and then, then there's a struggle with the knife. Yep. And he stabs her. He stabs, stabs the mom. Claire, yeah. And then he like, he does not give a fuck about her. He's no. like, oh, it's nothing personal, Little baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> and like just drops her dead body and then goes upstairs to look for uh, Christy who runs into the room. With the corpse in it. Yeah. And then realizes that corpse is her dad. Yep. And then. Dude, that must be horrifying. Yeah. He was really, like though. just skinned. And, like, the body's even, like, steaming when she goes up there because it's so fresh. Yeah, it's just a bloody pulp of, like, actual skeleton bones and blood. Well, at this point, like, he sort of just explains a little bit what happens. And then all the Cenobites show up and they're like, oh, so you did do it. And then they're like, well, we've come to, like, collect you. And even tell Christy, like, this isn't for you to see. And then yep. they like this is when they start hooking him and like random hooks come from the abyss. Yeah. And you have like his like his body's all stretched out, held onto the hooks. Yeah, and he like smiles with his and he's like fucked up teeth. Jesus oh, wept. <laughs> and then he like gets exploded by the hooks. Oh yeah, they just, just tore, rip ripped apart. Yeah. But they don't show it like directly. They show you like a like few a seconds of it, and then the door closes. And then she runs out thinking she's cool, but then is it deep throat? Pinhead, yeah. Pinhead comes down and says, "Now it's your turn to come here." Yeah. Because the thing is with the Cenobites, when you call upon them with the box, they want to make you a Cenobite as well. Yeah. And that doesn't sound too bad if you're cool with torture and dying. <laughs> well, they they all yeah the other ones transformed into them, so maybe they were chill with it. Masochistic. Uh, and then she starts using the box to basically she starts solving bits of the box to yeah. send each one back. And does she do it to Hellraiser first or to Pinhead, Pinhead first? I think she does it to like Chatterer first. Sends oh, that's him back. right. That's right. And then she sends Blubber, like Butterball back. No, no, no. She sends Pinhead back after. Pinhead back. Yeah, right after and that. And then the Yonic woman. Yeah, the Yonic, the Yonic throat. Oh, woman, by the way, yeah, that's throw. that's the opposite of Phallic. So Phallic is like penis like. Yes, I'm going to be using it as often as I possibly yeah, can. And Yonic is like vulva, vagina, vaginal looking. Yeah. And then you got her boyfriend coming in, looking at this decrepit house just falling apart. Everything's shaking and everything's He going was crazy. also a very, like, innocent character where he just kind of showed up, didn't really know what was happening. Mm-hmm. He even tries to help her solve the box, and she, like, swats his hand away. <laughs> like, no, I got it. It's just a puzzle box. <laughs> That's great because they're, like, freaking out about it. And, and then she's like, it's just a puzzle box. And <laughs> That's probably my favorite He's like, no, it's movie. not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you see, what is it, uh, Butterball. Yeah. have some fucking kind of weird hook kind of knife. It's about to drive it in her boyfriend, but gets <laughs> saved by Deus Machina fucking burning yep. house. The debris like <laughs> falls on him because the house is falling apart at that point for some reason. <laughs> they finally traverse over the burning house and then they open the door. And I, I, okay, honestly, when I first saw this, I just saw pitch black. I thought they were in the, in the box. Cello, no, I thought they were oh. in the uh, Cenobite fucking like 
abyss. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, shit. They're probably at their lair. This is so awesome. Probably transported the whole house. No, it's just a fucking weird dog thing. Um, it would have been great if it had like a Krampus ending where they were like actually in the box the whole time. Oh, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, when, the, 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 with the with the, the snow globe. Yeah, I loved that movie. That was so, so good. We're gonna do that one soon, but that's for Christmas, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll try good, to do good, it good. around Christmas time. Oh, that's a great fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Uh, Krampus and Gremlins. Uh, yes, that'd be a good combo. Yes. Yes, I'm yeah, into it. Because we already did Black Christmas, so yeah, which is which is a different. That's no, yeah, no, not worth it. But but yeah, they had, so in Krampus they end up like they think they got away and everything is fine. It's like Christmas morning, and then it zooms out into the snow, and then even further to so you realize that they're in a snow globe that Krampus owns and puts on a shelf. And Crazy, that's, and that's the end of the film. They like they're stuck in it, but they do well, realize that they're stuck. Yeah, exactly. And then so, it's just an awful ending, and I'm like, this is great. I love this. Is how horror movies oh, yeah. should end. But we'll talk about that when we do right, that episode, to that. John. It's so good. I loved it. We saw it in theaters. I was, it was stoked great. for it. Oh, yeah. It was so much fun. But I, I love you, Adam Scott. Yeah. He was really good. Anyway. Anyway, so. I thought it, I thought that's what was happening. I thought they were stuck so in the box. So she sends them all back. Yeah. She escapes out of the house. Yeah. And then. She tries to destroy the box. She tries to destroy the box. But homeless cricket eating man shows up and turns into a bone dragon and then flies away with the box. Definitely flies into another screenwriter's fucking <laughs> chair so he can fucking make more movies. That was like, it, it looks so out of place. That like oh, yeah. dragon, it was so strange. bone dragon that looked like it was out of like World of Warcraft or some shit. Oh, and dude, like yeah, just yeah. flew away with the box and then the box is getting resold at the end. Yep. I was I I'm not gonna pleasure? lie. I yeah. was very disappointed with the bone dragon. I was I thought we were gonna get some exposition, maybe some like yeah. you know what only like certain people could open this yeah. and fuck with this, but no. And then we've got the Hellraiser warriors that, or whatever the fuck I don't know something cool like that. But no, we just get some bleak some bleak. What's your pleasure? Yeah, and, yep. get, and like, then the whole cycle. Yeah, full circle starts again. I do like uh, the idea of Cenobites though. Yeah, because they do have a lot more within the sequels. Yeah, I, I'd say that the movie, the movie, the Cenobites were the most interesting bit as lo- as well as the special effects. Uh, I think most of us agree that this movie wasn't as good as as much as as much as it has the classic horror yeah. like moniker attached to it. It really wasn't as good of a horror movie as we wanted it to be. Yeah, it's and probably because it, it got hyped up from us just seeing so much yeah. Hellraiser shit like I, on the regular. I mean, that's that's a thing, but I mean, it was a classic then too because even yeah. like the box office proves that yeah. that people really liked it. So it must have been the was... special effects and how creepy yeah. everyone is because Frank's super creepy. The Cenobites aren't exactly the loveliest things in the world. <laughs> and this is like 87. So people are yeah. scared of different things. It's like the, you know. the the age of like slasher films. Yeah, like exactly. They were, they so I mean, we, since we didn't grow up then, I mean, what are we to know what people were actually afraid of at the time? That's and fair. Things like yeah. that. So, yeah, because like yeah. things from like the fifties scare the shit out of people. Like yeah, invasion of the people body. People were snatchers. afraid of a train coming towards them. Yeah. That, oh <laughs> yeah, I mentioned <laughs> that before. Yeah, exactly. That that's a thing. That's hilarious. So people and their fears change over time. So that's something that we should really keep in mind when watching these older movies and yeah. maybe decrying them as not as good for the time. Maybe they were good. Yeah, I I have to say, um, as a standalone film, I was not. What what is the word to say? Ah, uh, Hellraiser as a person or Pinhead did was not like in his monumental role with this first film. 
I didn't really get that. And I was like, I didn't understand why he is such a big horror icon yeah. from this single film alone. But right. the thing is, the sequels could probably go more in depth. Yeah, and I very could probably strong cult following. have a big, Im- better impression of, you know, Pinhead as a cultural icon in horror. So, but the thing is, there are a lot of things that I like in this movie. The Cenobites have great designs. The special effects are bloody and nice. And genuinely, I just really like how beautiful the daughter is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Ashley Lawrence? Uh, yeah. 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 She kills you got it. it. Yeah. Ashley Lawrence is, well, she does has a great role. She's also just gorgeous. So that's, that's an entirely other thing. She is Bay. <laughs> she is, uh, she is a final girl. She survives the she, whole yes. thing. So. Is that is that the name bay. for people that like women that finally yeah. make it throughout so the entire Yeah. So we talked movie? about this on a previous episode for what do we watch? The Final Girls. Final Girls. Final Girls, not Final Girl. Final Girls. Yeah, Final Girls. There's two different ones. Yeah, not fin- Mitch the Final Girl watched is the wrong trash. One. Don't watch it. Yeah, it was Final Girls that. and what was the other film we paired with? I think with it was uh, Black Christmas was the other movie oh, okay, too. Okay, yeah. Which also has a Final Girl in it. Yes. Mhm. Uh, it's the the quickest definition of it is a slasher horror film where a single female character will survive the movie, usually without having sex and usually on her own wits. Like, Holy uh, shit! That I'm like thinking off the top of my head. That's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard to do in eighty <laughs> slasher. Mean, I mean, I mean, you have also uh, the end. Like, Texas Chainsaws like that as yes, well. Yes, she is technically a final girl. Yep. Is uh, Halloween like that? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yep. Yeah, she's a final. Also girl. a final girl. Yep. We need to have like a fighting game with <laughs> yeah. all the final oh, girls be in great. it. You know, like <laughs> so cool. Sigourney Weaver's in it yep. as fucking Ripley. Yeah, and then you've got like fucking. <laughs> She's like a weird technicality because like she she dies technically in the movies and then gets cloned. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're not talking about the first Alien. Just Alien. She's the final girl. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. easy. Yeah, and yeah. she's also like the smartest one among all. Yeah, of them. that was great. You're all fucking idiots. Anyway, yeah. but we'll do an episode on Alien we because I have I have soon. to get my jollies off somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, overall, what do you think about Hellraiser? Um, I probably won't watch it again, but it's worth the watch. It's original. It's uh, like really well done for originality, and that's hard to do in a like a market that's so saturated with the same shit. And horror is definitely one of the things that like rehashes things all of the time. Mm-hmm. Hence remakes, sequels, things like that. Yep. Like Halloween recently like threw out the rest of their sequels and was like, no, this is the new sequel to the original. And it was made by John Carpenter, so like it blended like really well. <sighs> but I need like to watch it. he, it's it's so good. The it like it's pretty much the same shit and like he does the music for it so like there's no awkward transition between the two it's really well done i like the the new remake and they're, they left it open for another one which they're already filming so you get to see a third part because mike myers is invincible <laughs> yeah exactly i might have a better appreciation for hellraiser if i see the sequels but you never know I don't know if I want to watch like that's 10 the, films. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't think you need to because really other only continuity from my knowledge is with the yeah. second movie, the second and maybe the third. Those well, are like the like... actual continuity. Cause in the second, yeah. they actually do call back to the first movie in it. Whereas oh, in the third, okay, one, I don't okay. believe actually does. Gotcha. Well then I think this is a good time to transition okay. into candy man, candy man, candy man, candy man, right. Candy man. <laughs> you gotta be in a mirror though that's the rules Fuck. get out your phone <laughs> right yeah i want to die i i want to talk about the intro to this movie because i really love the intro yeah go for it so 
So we begin with uh, Based on the Forbidden by Clive Barker. It is the screenplay. Um, and then it begins with a top-down view of cars in Chicago. Yeah. It starts off with cars <laughs> and a great intro by Philip Glass Thank involving you. an organ. And the organ is fire as fuck. And I believe that um, uh, Tony Todd had a great quote about it that went something like, Mer, what is what did he say? He says, it sounds like the motherfucking Phantom hitting those keys. Yeah. <laughs> it was very melodramatic oh, what yeah. I was going through. Like, this so movie bad. kind of gave me the illusion that it was a stage play. And there's other things that fit in really well with that, like the the line from Hamlet, which was uh, sweet to the sweet. And then they, like, constantly would have this, like, top-down view of a stage that was at the university yeah as used as a transition of course yeah it was like the transition between acts which like most films have the three act structure i believe that even tony todd himself said that this was going to be like his phantom of the opera did he really that's I awesome i think that he did say something like it that is, about it, it. it he does fit that like it. tortured character yeah exactly so he is so it, it's like it was like his phantom of the opera movie that he would do the uh, Philip Glass soundtrack was made using only four instruments. Did wait so, so it was what the organ, the piano, the, piano. the bells, yeah, and a choir. Oh uh, yeah, because all the the loud voice singing. <laughs> yeah. It's like church like in some scenes, and then definitely like Phantom of the Opera style. So we start with this car scene with the melodramatic music, and yeah. then it cuts to. Uh, Chicago being swarmed by bees and then a close-up of bees. And a quote. A quote by Tony Todd. Or a voiceover, Candy I should Man. say. Voiceover. What is blood for but not for shedding? I will use my hook hand to split you from your groin to your gullet. It's oh, You know what? This this fits in even more with the play because most of the dramatic like uh, irony or tragedies, they started off with the narration mm-hmm. at the beginning to like oh, set yeah. the scene. And, yes. like, any Shakespeare play has that. There's, like, a whole block of text where they tell you, like, the backstory. That makes a lot of or sense. Or one now. single thing. So, yeah, as I think about it more, it was designed almost to be, like, melodramatic stage play that you could do. And, like, he's he himself is a very dramatic character when he shows up. And tragic. Yeah. And, he's yeah, he's supposed to be, like, a tragic character, which also connects into the, like, classism that they deal with throughout the film, which we'll get to in just a sec. It starts with the zoom-in shot that John was talking about with the stage yeah. as we're introduced to the University of Chicago with our two main leads, Helen and Bernadette. Yeah. Helen being played by Virginia Madsen and Bernadette being played by Casey Lemons, who was also in Silence of the Lambs. I knew it. Wait, when, where in Silence of the Lambs? Uh, I just she might be she the girl was. in the hole. <laughs> I just know she was inside. See the girl in the hole? I don't I don't know. Think so? I don't remember. We'll have to check it. So they're interviewing students uh, for their thesis report because yeah. they are grad students. Yeah, they're grad students. And they're trying to get their thesis report done and they're gonna be talking about urban legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Helen is talking to a student who is recollecting a story about a woman and a guy in Chicago area who are about to have sex. A babysitter, by the way. You know, uh, yep. babysitting a baby. Invites her boyfriend over, and greaser fucking Tom Raimi comes in. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> Sam Raimi's fucking yep, brother. His brother. And you could tell because he looks so much like him. He really does. Yeah. Those Raimi brothers. I love how greasy they made him look. 
<laughs> like his hair is he's like all, he's like sipping a fucking bottled brew yep. on the couch just like yeah i'm gonna get puss <laughs> <laughs> well like i didn't get the whole scene like they like somehow ended up in the bathroom and her shirt was off it, it's it's a teen story man it's a teen scare story so they just have it they have it play out like that too where it's really silly it's like he got her shirt off and then she like playfully ran away from him yeah. like into the bathroom and they're like you know what we should do fucking say Candyman to the mirror five times <laughs> so they say it four times and then she's like i got a surprise for you hold on go downstairs he's like all right all right all right so he goes down there sips his beer and then she's like candy man and turns off the light and immediately cuts to tony todd yep, right raising behind his hook his meaty fucking hook <laughs> <laughs> And you see blood dripping, but it's upside down. That shot was kind of weird. Yeah, it was. And I guess I guess he did what he said he was going to do in the beginning and just cut from like her groin all the way up to her chest. Nope. That's like his style, I guess, which is really like it was almost like these people were getting violated, like they were getting raped because he like even grunts like when he kills that psychiatrist. <sighs> He's just like grunting, like there's blood spurting everywhere. It's like, it's very, I feel like it was specific in that way. And they mm-hmm. wanted you to feel like something terrible was happening. Assaulted. Yeah. And so it was like, that was definitely made to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So Bernadette is also interviewing a student and he seems kind of flirty, but it doesn't matter because we're not going to see him and his horrible fucking haircut for the rest of the movie. It's weird because <laughs> he's trying to flirt with her and he's like, he's like the ugliest dude you've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, she's just like, ah, oh, freshman. They keep, yep, they yeah. keep, they just keep looking younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great because they're like grad students, so they're like a little older. They're supposed to be probably like late twenties, right? Um, so it cuts to Helen going to go see her professor, fucking boyfriend, husband, husband. Trevor. Uh, yes, they are married. Husband Trevor. She says husband at some who point. Who is doing a lecture on uh, urban legends, and she's kind of pissed. Yeah, because she had asked him to not do a lesson on that because they're writing their thesis on the same content. But he was like, what am I supposed to do? But this is also where we get introduced to Stacy. That homewrecker fucking <laughs> bitch. Oh, oh my God. Spicy takes. Murr. Murr. I mean, <laughs> the dude's also a piece of shit. So it's yeah. like. They're, Trevor's they're, a piece of shit. They just are a dirty diaper couple. Very, like, stereotypical, like, teacher having sex with one of his students, but, like, at the college level. So, like, yeah. it's technically legal. And then on the DL from the wife. And, like, but she picks it up immediately. She's like, who is this chick? Like, you want to tell me about Stacy? Like, why is she hanging out here? And he even says it. He's like, oh, obviously, because she's madly in love with me. And then it's like. She's but like, he's not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, she actually is. She's and he's like, totally she like, she pulls yeah. up her jeans and she's strutting and looking back at Trevor. And he's just like, uh, she knew, she knew like immediately. And then, like, just let it go because she was like, whatever. And then you find out more later on in the film. So he's like, I'm going to go home. And she's figuring out, okay, I need to go type some stuff at the library for my thesis. Yeah. And then you get a cut to a very old. Uh, 90s computer yeah the thing we mentioned earlier where she gets to look at all the old newspapers and she was looking specifically for uh the murder that she had heard of the one in cabrini green yes and uh which is a real place a a maid overhears her a janitor maid uh they're the janitor but it was also like a good way to show the classism in the area because everyone who was black was in a like cleaning position or not so good job or like a really beat like detective like the black guy that she encounters later in the film yeah they're just very hard working physical working working individuals yep yep 
And then uh, a lady is explaining uh, the Cabrini Green story with Ruthie Jean. Yeah. How a hook came out of her bathroom and oh, man. just mangled her and just, you know, killed her from the groin to the gut splitter. Yeah. And she's like, but you didn't hear that from me. No, no. <laughs> yeah. They're all very much believing in Candyman and very much fear him. But she starts looking into uh, Helen, I think is her name. Yes, Helen. She starts looking into the story more and finds out that her apartment is designed the same way that those apartments were designed. And so she figures out that behind her medicine cabinet, there's no like a wall in between the other medicine cabinet and the other apartment. So she can yank her medicine cabinet off, push the other one out. And now there's like a hole in the wall to another apartment. So she figures out that this is how Candyman possibly killed someone. He like reached through this opening and like this sort of sets up what she's going to look at in the other building later. How do you feel about that though? I was kind of very uncomfortable with like that kind of vulnerability. Like it takes just a push just to be in someone else's fucking lifestyle. I feel like there's definitely shit like that that happens like building construction, cutting corners and just not doing anything like that. But it seemed unlikely to me like that there would be a hole right there. Yeah. So it was kind of like unbelievable in a sense. I mean, when they go to that, when they go to that house, I mean, it's in, it's in a Cabernet, Cabernet Green. Cabernet. Cabernet, Cabernet Green is the name of the the name of the area. And it was basically like a, like a low income housing setup. Yeah. And it's kind of run down and hasn't really been maintained at all by, you know, the forces that be that should be maintaining it, AKA the government. Um. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously they don't give a fuck about that part of chicago yeah no they don't they don't give a fuck and so it's just kind of like yeah so they go there it's uh should, i mean mer actually talk, has some good some yeah. good input actually on that whole on that whole bit go take it away mer gotcha so a lot of the things that uh john was talking about with race and classism has to do a part with them going into the apartment of yeah Green. just like bled over into real so, life they're very bernadette is very skeptical of the area because she knows it's gang run uh, she's like putting a bunch of pepper spray in her. She has mace, a taser. She's like, you don't need that. You know, we're, we're just college students coming here for a report. Uh, fun fact that there are many gang members on the premises already. And they're like, Hey, where are you going, mama? You know, what are you doing? Whoa, you look like five. Oh, are you guys cops? You guys cops? And <laughs> not actors, not actors, actually real gang members real that gang members. like force their way into the movie. So, <laughs> Production had to pay off five gangs, according to Tony, uh, Tony Todd. Uh, five gangs all at once, and they used the members of these gangs in some of the scenes. Uh, most notably, the scene where they're going up to the stairs and yeah. like, "What are you guys doing here?" You know, <laughs> you look like cops. You look like <laughs> cops. And yo, five O's coming up the building. You know, and uh, they were not very happy with the production of this movie because they were coming into. Their territory with cameras, you know? Yeah. So at one point, they shot a generator, and then <laughs> another, near the last final day of production, they shot a uh, camera truck. And uh, after that, they're just like, all right, this is kind of unsafe. So they uh, ceased production on that. But Cabrini Green was a real uh, building site, and it did get demolished in 2011. Yep. And uh, we see the dichotomy of classes within uh, the character of. Anne Marie, but we're going to talk about um, Helen going up the right. stairs to the area where she sees sweets for the sweet. 
it's spray painted across like four different doors and this is like one of the first jump scares where Anne Marie like lets her dog loose a little bit and fucking opens the door and the dog like jumps out to like bite them and then she like restrains it and then just closes the door and doesn't say anything like obviously trying to intimidate them to leave the area but they don't because they they're it's a horror movie and <laughs> they're gonna go look at what's going on so they well, go to the course. apartment where the woman that they heard about where she was murdered and supposedly that he was coming through the wall to like attack somebody which is really just breaking through the medicine cabinet so they're like all right let's go check out which apartment he came from through there and they discover the hole there and she crawls through against her friend's uh recommendation she's like no 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 like we got to leave and she's like i gotta get in there and like get photos and so she goes in let it be known like the atmosphere of this movie is a lot of tony todd breathing as well as just little tiny just kind of just little quips with his mouth you could barely yes. hear it but it does add to the tension of these scenes you can also feel the like the tone and setting that they created it's all very dirty grimy nothing is clean in the city like there's like hardly a sanitary area like any of it, except for maybe helen's apartment and like the university kind of but even then the like there was something about it like just the time period i guess where everything just looks fucking dirty it was like the 80s where they always had films like this mm-hmm. And especially the rundown area that they go into. But she crawls through. And this is cool because uh, she has a Polaroid camera with a flash on it. And this is the only lighting you have besides, like, just really faint lighting as she walks through the the apartment. Oh, so she's using this light tactic that was also used in a lot of horror movies. Yes. Um, no, most notably, I wanted to talk about the use in the first Saw movie. Yeah. Because it was really good. Uh, when Adam... Goes to use his light in the apartment. Can't do it. Yeah. And we're going to get that noise right here. So let it be let it be known that this is the sample we are using. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> so we're going to use you, it right you there. Hear, you oh, hear, that was it. Oh, yeah, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You hear the Polaroid. You see the flash. And it's like a great it is way also, of going through the apartment. It's also used in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yes. I Damn. forgot about that yeah. one, too. They also did that bit where they added in like real video. Oh, of the shit. dude, which is like the most unsettling shit where it's like, oh, movie, movie, movie. No, that was the actual dude. <laughs> like there's film of like the camera dropping and it sees him walking in and you're like, oh, my God. And they actually included that for the film. I have no idea how they secured Wait, the rights for that. Was that the actual footage from uh, they put it in the newer one? But yes, it's actual footage of the killer. Yeah, Holy isn't that fuck. some shit? They found it on site and then they uh, requested permission to use it. And I guess whoever like owned it was like, yeah, sure. And they like added that in. That's terrifying. Yeah, not the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the newer one that yeah. came out in like the 2000s. Yeah. It has real fo- real footage of the killer because they never caught him. They mm. don't like they never caught any of these people. Shit. So he could have like aged and died somewhere because I think at this point he'd be too old. Yeah. But, but yeah, Leatherface was like, he was never caught. So that was definitely like bringing it to life for some people. (laughs) So definitely that noise. And it was a cool effect because uh, they use this flashing later in the film. And as she's experiencing all of these weird events, it'll flash and it'll show images that she took. So there's the there's the image of like Candyman's face with like the mouth open, which she actually crawls through. She like crawls through it and like out of the opening of his mouth, which is really nice, like illusion symbology for him just eating her and like she's like the sweet yeah exactly then she finds um on the floor she finds like um some fabric with a bunch of candy in it that has razor blades oh my gosh i didn't even think about this she goes in and out of it 
Candyman consumes her. Yeah. It makes her go into this rage. Think about it, where she's only thinking about Candyman and the thing oh, about it. Oh, gotcha. It consumes her life. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, there's a lot of analogies to, like, eating, consuming, absorbing. Like, it was all included in there. There's also, like, honey and, like, bee-related things to it. And there's, like, there's some stuff related to that, too. But she takes pictures of everything. And we find uh, a bunch of candy on the floor yeah. with uh, razor blades in them. Yep. Uh, this was – I feel like it was an allusion to, like, the time period where people thought that that was a thing when kids were going trick-or-treating where they're like, somebody's putting razor blades in apples or in candy so much. So that they set up like areas where you could take your candy, to get x-rayed <laughs> like to double check if there was metal in it. But like, I feel like you're just radiating your kids candy yeah. more than anything else. Don't but, eat like, those Tootsie Rolls. You know, it was the fifties. Like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Nope. They thought smoking was healthy. Like it's just, <laughs> it's great for your lungs. Yeah. Propaganda and all that, you know, big tobacco Mental helps your throat. Uh, yeah fuck yeah hopefully big tobacco doesn't shut us down anyway (laughs) maybe i'll just cut it out it's cool yeah i won't say anything uh so she finally gets out of there bernadette's freaking the fuck out yeah um so they're they're walking back uh past Anne marie's well she she comes into the apartment is like what are you guys doing like why are you here and like really wants them to leave but then, like, she sort of gets friendlier and is like, oh, like, most people who come up here are, like, not nice. Yeah, especially, especially white, people. white people. They're talking about reporters, people yep. who are scientists, kind of like just politicians, people who have a little bit of power because of their their skin. Uh, and she's, she's explaining to the woman, Helen, you know, most people aren't like the people in this area aren't like the people downstairs in reference yeah. to the gang members. Yeah. You know, some people just want to make a good living. Some people just want to make a good future for what we have. And she's holding her baby, Anthony and just Helen has a moment where she's really, you know, uh, bonding with this little kid and it's very nice. But at the same time, you could see that Amory is a working class woman. She has her name tag on. She is, I a, think she's a nurse, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But she's just trying to make her own. But she does warn uh, Helen about, you know, I heard Ruthie Jean screaming. I yeah. called the cops. Nobody believed Nobody her. came. I called the cops again. Nobody still came. And you know what that means? That just means Candyman is, is just he's Killing a real people force. without repercussions. And I don't want to live in a world where my kid has to fear the Candyman. Yeah. Also, directly opposite of that, when uh, the, like the basically someone calls the cops and they show up like immediately for the white woman and you're just like yep it was when uh she meets the fake candy man yeah right okay and like they they, she pretty much calls for help and then they like they find the dude that's that's after she meets the child who lives in the community so she goes home right after after all that stuff and she's like here bernadette get these pictures um get these pictures mastered, you know, so I could see them. And, and then, she, well, she, she, she goes gets, to dinner. She gets a, no, she gets a tat. Oh wait, is the she dinner goes, before? She goes the to dinner's dinner. before. Dinner's before. Because she, because she learns of Candyman's past for, that's right. Like the son I, of like an ex, or he's like, he used to be a slave or he was the son of a slave. And then he ends up, uh, I guess, uh, uh, copulating. He ends up hooking up with a white lady. The father of white lady does not approve. Nope. 
They get a lynch mob together. Cut off his hand. Cut off his hand, put a big hook on there, and then cover him with honey and let bees like eat him to death, basically. Yeah. I like how uh, the professor who's talking here, ah, Cabrini Green, Candyman Country. Yeah, he he's such a like pretentious asshole. asshole. Yeah, he's so annoying. But like he does actually like know stuff and apparently he wrote a paper about him like ten years ago. You know what I was Bummer. hearing what I was hearing like Oh, you know, from the 1800s, I was like, no fucking way. This n- really like 1800s, like damn. I was thinking it is a little old, but well, well time, established urban myth. It, it is also a fact that he was a painter. Oh yeah, that's right. So he was a sought after portrait artist. Yes, and uh, and the that's how he becomes connected with the girl. Mm-hmm. His her, his dad requests that he take he like paints a portrait of his daughter, and then of course they fall in love with each other, and then the rest of it progresses on. So that's why oh thank they you got connected. Yeah, yeah, that's how they get connected. So Helen gets more film. She yes. goes back to Caprini Green. She wants to take way more pictures, and she yeah. got, she gets them. And then on her way back, she wants to go say hi to Anne Marie and talk to her, but Anne Marie's not in right now. Yeah, says little Jake. A little yep. kid on the little steps, just chilling. Who tells her a new story about another Candyman attack uh, on a little boy, which was really graphic because apparently in this attack, the little boy had his penis removed, like and cut thrown off, in the toilet. and thrown in a toilet. Like, it's... and then he survived that. <laughs> he survives this attack. I hate that I'm laughing, but it it's sounds like such so a kindergarten, terrible. like yeah, like, like teen, kids, like, 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 like a kid just being like. He went into the bathroom and then something ripped his dick off. Yep. Well, Wasn't the same after that. That's the, that's the thing, though. You got to everyone who says the story about Candyman. It's relative to their age group. Yes. You got the yes. teenagers with the you got the teenagers in high in college, you know, talking about like the, the babysitting couple. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You got the woman who is a hardworking woman talking about uh, Jean, Mary yep. Jean. Yeah. And then you got this little kid talking about a little kid. Yeah. So you have their respectable age groups for everyone who has a story about said Candyman. Yep. And so that just the thing is, Candyman manifests and lives off of people's fears. Yeah. If they are not fearful of him. He does not exist. He dies as a legend. Yeah. He functions like the same way as say like Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street, where like he has to have people believe in him. To like kind of continue to have his power, so he functions similarly. Although Candyman is more of a an analogy for like what was happening to like black people in that time period, mm-hmm. like in Chicago. I really like uh, stories that have power being based off of belief. Yeah, I don't know why because it happens in it's like in Salem's Lot, also yeah. um, present in the Dresden Files as well. Both which is not really horror, but has horror elements to it where. Salem's Lot, you have, like, crosses only work against vampires if you fully have faith in Christ, basically. If you fully believe in them, that they have power, then they have power. And then in uh, Dresden Files, his pentacle is a representation of the five of the five points of magic, and it only works at warding off the evil, the evil vampires and whatnot from him because he fully believes in magic. So it's that sort of idea, and I really like that as well and it makes for an interesting plot it's a great device to oh yeah use. so jake is explaining this story yeah they she goes into the the bathroom it is covered in feces sweets for the sweets with an arrow pointing to the toilet and she takes pictures opens the toilet and it's full of bees yeah, yeah. bees oh 
bees. All right. Sorry. The bees, <laughs> not the, the bees. bees. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about the Wicker Man. We had to do it at least once, John. I'm we sorry. Oh, my God. That's our one Nick that, Cage that's reference, the one and you that's get. it. The one Poor you get. Nick Cage. He did the best he could with that role. He does the best he can with all the it roles. It was like, that was <laughs> so tries. poorly written. Like, it wasn't even his fault. Like, I'm gonna have to watch The Wicker Man because I've never so seen it. It's so fucking bad. I want to watch a bad movie now. Yeah, I oh, don't. The I, best part is when he's in the bear suit. <laughs> Wait, did you mean <laughs> Midsommar? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah, same shit happens. But yeah, yeah. The- so <laughs> then she turns around, and yep, it's me. I'm Candyman, bitch. Yeah, is what he says. Oh, he does say that. And uh, it's a guy. Whole. It's a, just a regular Joe. Regular Joe Smuck. With a fucking hook, holding a hook, and his little goons. And she's like, oh, I don't need no trouble. I'm just getting pictures for a report. And the dude just fucking whacks her with it. And it just cuts to her in uh, at the police station with a swollen eye. Yeah, she's obviously been beaten up, and they have caught the dude already. And it, it cuts to the, the line. It yep. cuts to the line with them. State your name. It's uh, a literal sta- lineup. <laughs> state your line. Uh, state, state the line. I'm, can- uh, I'm Candyman, bitch. And then step back, step back. And finally she (laughs) finds the guy who actually did it and she prosecutes him. And at this point, they're very happy to have somebody who will testify against him. And in this case, it's this white woman. So they really care. And then, uh, she's very happy afterwards because all sorts of people want to talk to her after this attack. And she's like going to get a book deal. So she's going to get published. So of course her and, uh, Bernadette, is that her name? Correct. She, they are like giddy about it, like as they're walking to their cars, and she gives her the camera, uh, the photos from her camera, which she thought were previously destroyed, but now she can check them out later. They're like little slides that you drop into a projector, and then this is the first time that she meets Candyman, like for real. Helen. Yeah, it's like this omnipresent voice that's like all around her, and then it's her. Her response is hilarious because she's like Helen, and she's like, yeah, <laughs> like yes. <laughs> And turns around and he's just chilling there at the end of the uh the parking structure and like ends up walking close to her and what an outfit. Tony Todd looking like a fucking A one steak dog. <laughs> <laughs> he has such a nice fucking coat. He that like very strong features. His his first time being introduced is is pretty magical. Yeah. Like it's a great it's a great, really creepy situation because he's just sitting there and it's just a silhouette. Yep. And then he just walks over to her. And, it's, and then uh, it looks yeah. like he hypnotizes her. He like ha- there's this ray of light that kind of comes over her eyes, and it's very classic noir. Like they did this in the '50s whenever they wanted to show someone being really vulnerable, and like their eyes sort of glaze over because the lighting is different. And so it's just like it played out really well because you get this idea that he's like convincing people. So this is probably how he got people to do things. Fun fact about those scenes, real quick: uh, they actually had a hypnotist on set. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so they, so was he just like off to the side? Well, here's the thing. What happened was Virginia Madsen was like, I don't know about this hypnotist thing, guys. Like for these shots, do we really have to do it? And they're like, well, just talk to the hypnotist and see how it goes. And what, knowing full, fully aware that what was going to happen, she like is talking to this guy for a good five minutes. And by the end of the five minutes, her right arm is raised all the way up and her oh, hand dang. is at a 90 degree angle. <laughs> like very specific oh, things. No. So they're just like, She's like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. So they're like, do you want to do the scenes like this? And she's like, oh, fuck it, I'll try it. 
And every scene that you see close up where, you know, Virginia Madsen is looking like she's swooning or looking out into the distance and just like, you know, figuring out what's going on. She's actually getting hypnotized by an actual hypnotist off screen. That's wild. I mean, it's really realistic. Like you watch it and it does look like she's being hypnotized. The only other time you see it is when she's at the dinner table being told the story about who Candyman originally was. And then later on in the film, it happens one more time. Yeah, when they're in their very intimate uh, concrete jungle. Oh, right, yeah. He, like, carries her over to a table and, like, makes out with bees in his mouth. It's all, like, a weird, crazy well, ending. Here's the crazy bit, though, is um, the a- I, I, I don't remember the name of the actor who is the woman actor. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a whole new uh, movement to stop saying actor, actress, and instead just use actor for anyone who's in film. The woman actor. <laughs> <laughs> what's her name again? Uh, what's that? I what's forget the, the name of the actor. Which I, one? I almost said actress. Uh, I'm going to use actor. Candyman's lover. Helen. Helen. The character Helen. Yeah. The actor of Helen is allergic to bees. Yes. She was allergic to bees in that scene. So that was the craziest bit. So when we, they're doing we, the kissing thing, she's l- oh putting herself at oh, risk. Oh, she's allergic to bees yes. in real life? She's, yeah, yes. Oh, shit. So, so she, yeah, so getting her to do that was pretty tough, but um, oh, she got out with no stings. If we're just going to talk about the bee scene, I'll tell you how they did it. Yeah, how, uh, okay, how cool. did they do that? Yeah, how did they do it? Okay, so they used baby bees for the mouth scene, Okay, but they made a plaster in Tony Todd's mouth, mm. kind of like a little, like, kind of... To stop them from going into, like, his throat? Yeah, but the thing is, he told... Mitch was telling me that he told the director... Every time I get stung, a thousand dollars added to my pay. Stung twenty four times. Yep. <laughs> so he just banked on that. Yeah. yeah. He was like, "Yeah, I'll yeah, get he stung, got, he got for stung some in extra the, cash." He got stung in the mouth, dude. Like, I think yeah. that deserves some money at yeah, least. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, also there's the scenes um, where he's like covered in them. Yeah. So well. for that, they developed a new queen pheromone to put all over his body. And oh, so they like stick on him? Yeah, they would just wanted to chill on him, and they did gotcha. the same thing. They had paramedics on site for Virginia Madison, and yeah. she would ever get stung. She never got stung. Dang, she got lucky all the way through without any stings. Yep. Shit. But yeah, that, that's how the bees were made throughout the movie. And they were actual bees. And the funny thing is, before anyone gets sued by like Peter or anyone, they had a bee vacuum that they they custom made so the bees would safely be stored. Oh, gotcha. Put back into, back <laughs> into an area. Stored. Uh, Fuck you, Mitch. You did it on purpose. <laughs> Set yourself up for that one. Uh, so let's cut to the apartment. So yeah, so she meets Candyman and then somehow gets transported to. She Anne just blacks Marie. out. Yeah. So I'm guessing she blacks out and gets carried over there. I don't know. So I, 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 she blacks out, and we have this idea that that like Candyman consumes her, potentially possessing her. Yeah. To do these things. Either that or Candyman is, is just a not figment real. of her imagination. Yeah. She's just crazy. She's crazy. She gets but obsessed with like she, the the myth. She wakes up in Anne Marie's. Anne Marie is the yeah. name of the woman's house they go Who to. Who is currently like mourning the loss of her child and her dog, which yeah. has been fucking decapitated. Yeah, which and is there's crazy. a big head on the, the She's dog. Covered does in not blood survive. Sorry, with the knife. She checks herself because she thinks that she was. Well, her alive. shirt is like there's blood on her stomach mm-hmm. and like kind of up her shirt, and you don't. 
have an explanation for where the blood came from. I can only assume that she was possessed and killed the dog, and then he took the baby somewhere else and then left her there to frame her for the murder. Yeah, and the thing is, she immediately grabs the murder weapon because she thinks Candyman is in the room. Picks up the cleaver, goes over, and then the mom sees her with the cleaver and is like, you're the one who did it, and immediately attacks her. And they're, like, wrestling, like, in the living room. And she's telling her, like, stop, stop. And then slashes her arm and gets on top of her. And then as she brings up the cleaver, the three cops break it, or, like, four or five cops break in. And they're like, yep, that's it. Caught you red-handed. That's the murder. And then they pull her into jail. Yep. And then uh, while she's there, she's trying to explain. But, of course, nobody listens to her. I think it's really funny because she's trying to explain to the chief uh, police officer. Who is black. Who is just there. She was just there like a couple days ago yeah. getting the candy man and now she's like oh, Well, she he comes in and she even addresses him by first name and then he's like not having it. He's just like, "No, you need to understand that you're under arrest." Like, "Do you understand that? Like, do you want somebody here with you?" And it's a great scene because they flip this version of the story that you usually see where there is a person of color a black person in this spot that nobody wants to believe but in this case it's a white woman and nobody's believing her and so it flips that role reversal and gives you an idea of what it's like to be going through that broken judicial system especially in chicago where like they need somebody for that and they usually would blame people so you see that play out with her and it becomes suddenly more relatable and important for people who are watching and then they go through that scene just like that. You also find out uh, that her husband is not answering the phone at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Because he's boning Stacy. <laughs> Good God. He comes the next morning, though, yep. and everyone is fucking concerned. Yeah. There's, like, millions of news reporters out there. He puts a coat over her. They don't have a name for her on the TV. Not just yet. And they don't have a face. So she got lucky and was able to get to the apartment. Um, so she looks at the slides, right? Yep. She looks up the slides. At the slides and discovers that in one of the photos she took at the apartment that she went to visit, Actually, uh, yeah, Candyman. Candyman is right behind her when he takes a photo fo- when she takes a photo and like it zooms in on it very dramatically. <laughs> mm. Is that when she goes into the bathroom? Yeah, and it fucking like <laughs> bursts through the medicine cabinet, which apparently was unscripted. Meaty fucking hook coming through. What a what a what a what a, but I mean, what a dope move. What, how controversial yet so brave <laughs> <laughs> tony todd felt so bad he was know, like he, uh, he, he felt yeah. like a bad guy yeah, after his, that. his heart sank after doing that but you know, you know what's crazy art he, he apologized at least a hundred times is what virginia madsen said because she was fucking freaked out that jump scare is a real jump scare yeah that she fucking wasn't scared me that. too shit so and she's this, running away from Candyman. yeah he's coming over this is also when Bernadette shows up with some flowers right. to like make sure her friend's okay. Is this when he explains that if he ki- if she kills the myth, then he will no yes. longer be alive? So what does he do? He hooks her in the throat. Yeah, so she can't like really scream out. Yep. Uh, and then Bernadette finds her way into the apartment because the door's open. Although I swear to God, she locked that door when she came back in. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, nope, nope. Remember, Trevor left to go get some extra work no no she runs out into the hallway and she sees him and then runs back into the apartment i'm pretty sure she locked the door but i gotta check it again oh wait yeah so she was he was in the apartment then she jumps out and he's in the fucking hallway walking towards her and then she runs back in and that's when she goes to the kitchen area and then he likes kind of pokes her the back of her neck or something yeah and she can't really say anything and then bernadette walks in 
And then that's when Bernadette gets murdered. You get that She, like, smirk. takes over her, basically. Yeah. And then that's when Bernadette gets, gets axed. Yep, her character is done for in yep. the movie, which is, like, it kind of sucks because she was an interesting character, but, like, they had to just keep it moving. And yep. uh, that's the thing. Trevor left the house so he could get a bone. Yeah, okay, yeah. So his wife has just gone through, like, the most traumatic event, and he's like, well, you know, I was supposed to go to the university to, like, pick up some work. I'll It'll be, be back like, in, like, 20 Yeah, minutes. like, 20 minutes. I was like, damn, this dude is really about to just leave his wife to, you know, go have sex with a really young student. And he does exactly that. (laughs) And he fucking leaves and then she gets attacked and then he comes back to the bloody scene and he has to like call the cops. And so that's when they send her to a psychiatric ward and she is admitted without her permission. And they're trying to figure out if she can stand trial. And so she speaks to Candyman in her room who appears like floating above her. (laughs) Oh yes. And it's very intimate because he gets kind of close. He gets, well, he asks her to give him a kiss Oh yeah. Kiss me. He's like, he's yeah. He's like, you know, just kiss me like once and like see how that feels. And she's like, what the fuck? And is like freaking out. No, and he's and under the bed. Then he slides under the bed. Yeah, exactly. He like kind of like whoop and like goes to the side and goes under the fucking uh, the little, the bed she's like tied to and they come in and like sedate her. And then they look at that here. video later and he is not in the video. Yeah, yeah one month later. They're taking her to a psychiatric doctor. Yeah, and this and guy's kind of a douche too. Yeah. So I didn't really care He's when like, he got Did killed. Did you see him when you got admitted? Yeah. She's like, I don't understand. He was right there. I don't. I yeah. don't get it. And then you see Candyman just right behind him, fucking gutting this dude with <gasps> yeah. his. She looks at the hook. mirror. Oh yeah. And calls him. Does she does call the, him? Yeah, oh, yeah, she does the Candyman like, five times him. first. I could call him. No, that's not. I don't look at it. Oh, okay. Anyway, there's I thought, a cat in I'm this sorry. room right I now. Thought, I thought that I saw Candyman behind you. So she calls upon Candyman. He's getting hooking. a little freaked out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's hooking this professor. It's the gruesomest death. Yeah, he's really going at it. He's just fucking just going for it. Very sexual. It was like he was penetrating him or something. <laughs> it was just like, oh, and like ripping from his like lower back to the top. My favorite scene right after though is when he jumps through the window going straight up just yeah <laughs> he like yeah he tucks his arms and legs in and like just backs out he, of a window it's so also, elegant <laughs> i mean he also tells her that if you don't come to me the child dies yeah so he's That's like the other big things. he's basically like come like to me and then the kid will go free and like it's no mm-hmm. problem yeah because it, it is established that he is the one who has anthony yep. yep oh and it is also established in a previous scene that we didn't talk about he has honey on one of his fingers yep. and actually feeds it to the baby. Yep. Oh very weird. Oh my god. That's oh man. Yeah. Oh my god. I thought that was weird. So that fucking was like, strange. Oh, all right. He's like, okay, he's just like, and the child will be fine. Yeah. Well, see, he comes over and he's like looming over the kid with the hook. Yeah. And then you just see it go and he has honey on his finger. Just yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so that broken window, she crawls out of it and goes into the window next to it, like knocks on it, nurse opens it, and then she fucking beats the shit out of this nurse <laughs> and then takes her, her outfit and then sneaks out. And that's how she's like, okay, I need to go figure out what's going on with this baby and goes to him. And goes, it's no, she goes so, to Trevor's house. Oh, oh, that's right. How did I forget about that? She goes to the house and one then month the, later, one month later discovers Stacy in her house painting the walls a new color. 
bright and she's like, fucking bubblegum Dude, pink. she's like, get out of my house. And then she, she does the most weird dramatic response where she like almost faints. And then she, she like crumbles like paper. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, man. And then uh, freaking, what's his name? What's the husband's name? What are you Trevor? crying about? He, yeah, huh? he's like talking to her in like a baby voice. It's so weird. He comes in and then he's like, oh, what are you doing here? And she goes like, she almost goes crazy. Like in that moment where she's yeah. just like. What did you th- like? You knew I wasn't gonna be out. She's like, like, call them, hands yeah. on the phone and stuff. Oh, like, call, so like, call the authorities. She tells Stacy to do it, and of course she can't do it. So she's like, <laughs> call yeah, the fucking cops. That's what I thought. Yeah, just like- <laughs> Throws a fucking giant gallon of paint at the wall and just leaves. Yep. That was great. I love that. She had a crazed look in her eyes. That was good acting for her to transform into that character. Uh, she then goes back to the community again because they're about to have like their big bonfire, I believe. Yeah. Oh, well, this, this bonfire is mentioned by the little kid that mm-hmm. she got that story from yeah. like way earlier. And so they've been gathering like all this stuff to burn. But she goes back to the building to find Candyman. And it's hilarious because he's just sleeping in like whatever area he's in. And she goes up to him and like stabs him, like straight stabs him. And then he wakes up all happy, like, oh, you came. And like oh, yanks came. whatever she got stabbed with out. There's like blood splurting out of him. And then he's like, oh, it's okay. Like everything's fine. And like he carries her into like this next room, which ties into that scene we talked about earlier with the bees. Mm-hmm. And like it's weird because he's like, are you afraid of like the pain? Like are you afraid of death basically? And she's like, I'm afraid of both. And he's like, it's fine. Like, the pain's going to be exquisite. Like We, we are going to be uh, both legends, yes. you and I. Yeah, he wants him. He wants her to join his, like, legend of what's going on. And, and it could be that, like, love story playing out again. Because it's like, it's always yeah. been you, Helen. Like, it's always you. So, and yeah. then it shows an image of, like, an old-timey. It's one of the paintings kind of from, from Candyman. It is, yes. his, it is his original wife. Yeah. Love interest. Yeah, yeah. He, he. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he's trying to replace her. Yeah. His long lost love with this new like white at lady first, basically. Maybe a reincarnation, but we're not sure. That's yeah. the thing. A lot of people say reincarnation. At first I thought it was ancestor. I just like going to that fucking what Like is her it? daughter, or yeah. her granddaughter or something like, like I, that. It's like in the movie Holes. Oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. Your your great grandfather, you know, fucking doctor or like, you know, Z was was cursed by this fucking person. And I was like, Oh dude, what if like Helen it's just a descendant from, you know, Candyman's fucking love interest. Yeah, I could see that easily being a thing. And then they sort of have this transition moment where I feel like maybe she died. Maybe. But, like, she ends up waking up and God, how she, she, like, ends up outside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has a hook and she hears the baby. Yeah, that's she, right. She has the hook. She's hearing the baby. He and has placed the baby in the middle of the bonfire pile. Let me let me say that the bonfire is actual Chicago trash and just a bunch of shit. They structured a cave around it though, or mm-hmm. inside of it. But that is actual like desks and bunch of yeah. shit that Chicago did not need. And Candyman brings the baby in there with him. Brings Anthony the baby with him. He was planning on all three of them burning up in there together. To like, I don't know, I guess transition them into like his Create world. His family. Then yeah, exactly. He, wants, he has a full family. Folklore family. Yep. <laughs> then we see little Jake through the crack of his wooden door. <laughs> like he has a he has a weird wooden door for his fucking thing. Yeah. Uh he sees the hook. 
Candyman's here. It's time. So yeah, dude. They all go out. They're like, let's yeah. burn him. Yeah, He's like, burn I saw his hook. I saw it. Yeah, and they all like follow this little this little kid over there, who and then they light it all on fire. She abandons Candyman inside of the inferno and saves the Stabs baby. Stabs him with a flaming like piece of wood. Yes, dude. And the giant like burning fucking thing falls on her. She's getting burned. I, I was like, oh, this is awful. She can't even. Yep. She gets scorched when out. she gets out. All of her hair gets burned off. She gets like all these burns on the back of her neck. Her I believe back. she dies from she, this she, too. Yeah. She, yeah. she gives the baby to Anne-Marie and Anne-Marie looks so happy. And it ends with Candyman burning and a bunch of bees coming out of the fire. Yeah, on fire. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like a firework kind of like goes off. And then what's even weirder is that, like, she pretty much – she kind of dies like a martyr. Like, she, yeah. they end up, like, going to her funeral. Well, the, it's very shitty, but Trevor brings Stacy to the funeral. Yeah, what the oh fuck? Oh, my God. That's right. Jesus. Jeez. Like, I mean I, – ab, ab, Actual trash. We're looking at actual trash here <laughs> at the funeral. Yeah. That giant heap of trash, that's nothing compared to Trevor. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. And um, it's, it's the old professor that did the report, Stacy yeah. and Trevor, but – they're like, the fuck is that? And they see all of Cabrini Green coming for this woman's funeral. Jake takes Candyman's hook and drops it in her grave. Yeah, which I guess could be like that's how she sort of came back. That's how she has yeah, the Yeah, she gets reborn into folklore again. Yeah, and is taking the place of like Candyman. And it's such a good ending. I've, I love the ending so, of this movie. Trevor is in the bathroom, just kind of sitting on the toilet, like, wow, my wife is actually Mourning the loss of Helen. He's, like, guilty over it. Very guilty. Yeah. And And Helen. Helen, Accidentally says her name five times because he's just, like, Stacy is, like, trying to cook up a steak, but she's super pissed off. She's so annoying. She's, like, mad. She's just dumb and doesn't know how to cook, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Obviously, we hate this character. Yes, and so we hate she her. like is get trying to get his attention while he's in the bathroom, and then Helen appears with the hook. She's like holding on to it and just rips this dude from groin all the way up to his chest and drops him into the tub. And then Stacy goes into the bathroom to find him dead and just does like the classic horror movie screen, holding mm-hmm. the knife that she was using to cut steak. Yep. So, and the so whole now they're going to assume starts again. Yep. Yeah. She's going to get framed for murder. And then after that, the mural that Candyman had painted changes into Helen with like flaming hair and as whatnot. like an angel or something. Yeah. As like the new Candyman. And there's a basically. giant rip on the left side of it from yes. the hook. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it zooms in, and then it just cuts, and that's the end of yeah. it. I like the passing of the, of the torch. Yeah, she got that's brought good. into that folklore. And also, like, it was sort of like a, a symbolism of her understanding, like, the situation that everyone's going through, and then becoming that martyr character herself and bringing the, like, folklore even more into, like, something that was real for all of them. And so it worked out well. I, I really enjoyed Candyman as a movie as a, as a horror movie and just as a movie in general. It it tackled like social issues very well without being incredibly preachy about it. Yeah, it just it just it just has them there and you can take them very much at face value and it plays into the narrative really well. So it has a good does a good job of discussing that. It does a good job at discussing like psychosis and how people like deal with it. How yeah, our, how our system Borderline deals even with schizophrenia. It. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I, I'm definitely like starting to believe more that she was just a little crazy, and that she started getting really obsessed with the urban legends and was like really believing in it. So she just becomes crazy herself. Yeah, 
there's and that that's what makes the movie so brilliant yeah. is because you can interpret it so many different ways yeah. if you want to. Is it is it real? Is it not real? It's an is unreliable just narrative. Nuts now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then like in some ways people cared about it more because it was a white character and to like reach out to different parts of like the audience that were watching this, this mm-hmm. sort of became something different. It wasn't just like a random character that something happens like this too. Yeah, I think it does tackle a lot of issues, a lot of social issues and a lot of cues. And I really like the whole urban legend thing about it. Uh, I will say that Virginia Madison and Tony Todd, they both say that it is their one of their favorite roles that they've ever done in their entire life. Tony Todd saying that he will get Candyman as one of his, like the third or fourth line on his obituary. Yeah. <laughs> but also, uh, there's a new a new version of Candyman. I think they said a sequel, not yeah. a not a remake. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's uh, gonna do it. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that actually. It's and gonna be really he's good. like the perfect person to do it right now after doing Get Out and Us. Like, mm-hmm. it's that, gonna that, be amazing. Even in reference to that article before Get Out and Us, there yep. was Candyman, so, and that's just to show you how far we've gone with a lot of race issues within horror oh, media. Oh, totally. He's making like a new genre of horror for that, so it'll be really, really good. But any final thoughts on Candyman? I love this movie. And I had great. a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It's definitely something you can rewatch because you might have missed something the first mm-hmm. time. A lot of different interpretations. It has a lot. It, it just has some great special effects in it. Yeah. You really have to give the actors a lot of credit for putting up with a lot of bullshit while making <laughs> yeah. it as well. So, I mean, even, and even the film crew for putting up with it now that we've learned so much about it tonight. Yep. Dealing with all the gangs. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about it, John? Uh, definitely go watch it. And, uh, it's, it's something that has a lot of underlying things. It's not something that's right at the surface. Mm -hmm. So it's related to social issues, to classism, uh, in some cases to like colorism between like the black community and the separation of like the working class and like people who are a little richer Mm -hmm. or like college educated. So it's like Bernadette was like the college educated black woman while, Mm -hmm. Uh, Anne Marie was the not college educated, but also working class. So it's yeah. like you got to see that dynamic play out in the middle of the of the movie in the film, and then uh, sort of like what happens when white people go into certain situations and try to be like a quote unquote like savior of the things without. So they, they she starts like that, and then transitions into being like a martyr for the community. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. just a lot of good stuff to like interpret. A lot of good articles that people have written. People have done like thesis statements on this this film. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. Um, is there any other final thoughts? Uh, I really like this movie a lot. It has a lot of stuff to dig in, and if you take the time, you will get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. So do that. Um, I would like to mention before we do John's, uh, you know, a, a typical final thoughts. <laughs> uh, me and Murr are both doing are both doing side yes. uh, single uh, single episodes where we talk about topics that we don't always have time to cover on the podcast. I'm going to be doing video game horror in video games with Mitch, yeah. so I'll be playing games and doing reviews of them. I have my review of Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice coming up. And then Murr's going to be doing... Uh, Monsters with Murr, which I will be watching monster movies and kaiju films. Yep. And then I will continue doing the segment that I'm doing, which is a little more afterthoughts of something that I may have missed the first time around in the podcast. So it will be related to Candyman and to uh, Hellraiser. And so that'll definitely be segments that we'll include in between episodes and whatnot. 
And so before I let everyone go, I just want to remind everyone we're really easy to find on all of the uh, social media sites and the streaming sites. We're on all the main ones, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or Google Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. And we are now on uh, CastBox and Stitcher. So any of the like third-party apps, you can go and search us up. You just got to look for Bringing Down the Grindhouse or go on the social media and look for BDTGH and you'll be able to find or uh, BDTGH, I'm sorry, BDTGH underscore podcast and you'll be able to find all the social media. Leave us comments, any questions, discuss things, tell us we missed something or maybe we got a fact wrong. You can let us know. And we love getting the reviews and the emails. If you can go and leave a review on the Apple podcast, that one is probably the most important one. (laughs) So like (laughs) leave us some reviews, let us know how we're doing. And we really appreciate that. And that's pretty much it. I think, uh, thank you guys for coming out to do this podcast with me. I hope everybody has a good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Murph. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. (laughs) Good night.